When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's always soccer in Philadelphia on a Thursday afternoon. No game this weekend because we are looking ahead to the playoffs next week against the rival New York Red Bulls. Are they a rival? I'm not sure. We will ask. Uh, our guest, if they are indeed a rival, returning to the program, uh, he is the only Red Bull fan that I would willingly invite on this podcast. <laughs> it's Mark Fishkin from the Seeing Red podcast joining us again. How are you, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me. So um, the New York Red Bulls Twitter account uh, kept the receipts and yes, looked went, went back through the uh, preseason predictions where everybody at MLSsoccer.com you know, says if the Red Bulls are going to be in the playoffs or not, you know, where are they going to finish or whatever. Most people, I think every single person, correct me if I'm wrong, had them out of the playoffs. And so the team account took some uh, satisfaction in telling them that they were wrong. Did you, before the season, think that Red Bull would be in the playoffs? Well, well first of all, I, I think you have to give props to, to Red Bull Social for the fan service they're providing because Red Bulls and Red Bull fans versus MLSsoccer.com was a common thread uh, throughout a certain uh, skein of the fan base this year. Uh, you know, we get no respect. It was a danger field sort of situation. But <clears throat> I think coming into a year when half the roster was turned over, literally half. There were 12 new players on the team where um, Gerhard Struber had played, had been behind the bench for exactly 90 minutes, which was the Red Bulls' um, playoff loss at Columbus last year. I think it was not outrageous to think that this was going to be a transition year for the club. Um that said, the team has done an incredible job really from mid-August on, finishing very, very strong and doing just enough to get over the line. So in, in a world where some of those prognostications were that the Red Bulls would finish eighth and they finished one point better than eighth, you can make the argument that there was something there. Um, but for certain Red Bull fans, any slander against the Red Bull and their philosophy uh, are met with, uh, you know, hate tweets and derision. So Yeah, it's one of the great rivalries of our time, actually. One of the underrated rivalries in Major League Soccer is the New York Red Bulls and Red Bull fans versus the media at large. I remember you came on the show, I think it was like two years ago or three years ago or something like that. And the name of the podcast was uh, Nobody Gives Us Media Coverage, We Don't Care. You know, because like it was just Red Bull was good back then and like, you know, was good years before that, too. And nobody ever really seemed to care. So now you're in the uh, 
it seems like that's always a constant struggle. I don't know, like respect for for the the, the brand up there. Now, New York City's been around for a couple of years too. Has there has there been like any movement at all in terms of like respect or newspaper or anything like that in terms of uh, the New York soccer market? Yeah, no, I don't think so. And in, in fact, the guys uh, at Football Americas on ESPN Plus actually picked up on it because I, I was on a on a post-game call a number of months ago, and there were three of us there on the call asking Struber questions, none of whom were actually paid to be there. Um, and, yeah. it, and uh, you know, we've talked about this. I mean, you know, two football teams, two baseball teams, three hockey teams, two basketball teams, and, uh, and two MLS teams and an NWSL team, and there's just not enough room or time or inches or care or resources. And so... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I get a Google alert every day for the New York Red Bulls, and at, at no point are there any New York media uh, showing up there. It's it's often the SB Nation blog, or it's uh, AP reports picked up by other cities' yeah. media. It's just you know, um, the 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 televised the televised sports reports will uh, from time to time pick up a, a nice ten second clip with a goal or something like that, which is great. Um, but I don't know uh, who watches late local news these days. In, in any case, it continues to be a struggle for attention here. Well, union fans can relate to that for sure. We're not exactly the top of the pecking order, too. You know, I tell Philadelphia, Philadelphia Flyers fans are upset about the lack of coverage for them. Wow. And I, I, I say to union fans, I'm like, look, the hockey team can't even get jack shit around here. So what do you think we're going to get? You know, so luckily you have podcasts like this. We are here for the people. That's you know, we're trying, here. To give, yeah. trying to give them what the, uh, the, the fake news mainstream media is not giving them. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So listen, you guys were playing pretty well to to close out the year. Um, a really good run there with some low scoring games. Where you guys were getting a lot of results for people who didn't, for Union fans who didn't see Red Bull after the third game that was played between Philly and New York. Um, what happened over like the last like six or seven or eight games, and how are you guys playing? Yeah, well, I mean, the team closed with only one loss in their last twelve matches, and. Um, that was one nil at DC in the, the last two weeks of the season. I mean, the, the thing about New York, uh, as they've proven through this last run is they're just very, very hard to beat. And, um, they, at the same token, don't score a whole lot of goals. So, uh, which is really awesome for fans who want to actually be comfortable at any time during a match <laughs> watching their team because it is usually one nil. Yeah. Uh, and it either ends 1-0 or 1-1, and if they concede first, they're usually sunk. So I think they were 0-7-2 and this year when conceding first, which really puts a nice roadmap for the Union and their fans uh, for, for the game on the 20th, which is score early, uh, because there is so little in the attack um frankly that it it's very difficult for them to go down it's proven impossible this year to go down and and uh and win um however obviously in a game where penalty kicks are are, are an option um should New York score early, that may be the play. They don't exactly go into a shell they continue to press and they continue to press um probably more than you guys and probably more than anyone else in the league. Uh, and if they can shake a tree loose and get a ball in a good place there, um, they can score. It's just that they tend not to do it. I believe over the last 15 games, they scored more than one goal in a game only twice. And one of them was against Miami. So there you go. 
Um, good point about the pressing stuff. I agree with you 100% on that. I want to get into that a little bit later, but just as a, a quick review here, three games between Philly and Red Bull this year. The Union won one nothing at home on May 15th, a road game on July 8th, 1-1 uh, in New York. September 29th, another road game, another 1-1 uh, in New York. Mark, I don't know about you, but I thought these games were ugly ugly as yeah. hell and um in the first uh to your point about philadelphia scoring early the first uh game the one the union won Corey burke scored in like the seventh minute uh it was a ball played by andre blake out of his box right. two ugly ugly headers were one and then a continuation of a run to actually score a decent goal but it was just playing direct over the press right the second game was the uh, Matt Freeze red card? Um, yep. I think Klamala hit the hit the penalty, I believe, and then Sergio Santos scored when John Tolkien was injured and he was off the field, and they got the ball back in quick and just hit across into the box and Sergio scored off of that. The third um, one, the Union scored probably the worst goal that they will ever score of like all time <laughs> and eternity, where it was a corner kick and the ball bounced twice and Sergio Santos was just standing there in front of Coronel and tapped the ball in. And I think it was um, Fernandez who scored for you guys and got it, um, uh, got the equalizer. But I, when you when you go back over those three games, is there anything um, that you remember specifically, or anything that jumps out to you, or anything that we can apply to this one? Well, you know, it's it's ironic if um, New York was able to keep uh, Sergio Santos off in the 85th minute, right when Tolkien was down. Um, New York's not playing Philly. New York's playing someone else, right? Yeah. Because that was that was two points uh, clearly lost. Where I thought New York was the better team that night, and I think they ran out of gas in the in the final few minutes of the game. Um, no, I mean these are rock fights. They're they're you know New York just plays ugly games. There's there's never any beauty, especially from an attacking standpoint from New York, um, unless the team is absolute trash, which has only been that one time when they went to Miami this year and won four nil. It was their yeah. biggest win of the season. And I think they finished with a plus six goal differential. So that, 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 uh, shows you, listen, in addition to Philly, I mean, I think any of those games could have been draws, uh, any of those games could have been wins in either direction. And I think that really, uh, should signal that, the 20th will be probably decided by one goal and probably be very tight and every restart will be an opportunity and every throw in and every interaction will just be tight because these teams um, def are very, very stout defending. I think it's not controversial to say that Philadelphia's attacking quality is better than New York. I don't think any Red Bull fans would have an issue with that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's just there's going to be tons of fouls and ping-ponging balls and fighting for second and third balls and... Maybe they'll be goals scored, and if no goals were scored through regulation and 30 minutes of overtime, I also wouldn't be surprised, and then it's, you know, then flip a coin. Um, I want to get into kind of stylistic what each team is and talk about the press specifically, but I want to preface it by saying this. Two years ago, Bob Bradley, um, before Philly went out and played LAFC in LA, uh, he kind of derisively, I don't know if it was, it wasn't demeaning, it wasn't like uh, mean-spirited or anything like that. He wasn't trying to insult anybody, but he said, like, quote, we know what Philly is, they're a Red Bull team. Yeah, uh, and and some people took like some people here kind of took offense to that because it was, um, 
Uh, he felt you. like they were like diminishing. I don't know, like like diminishing like what they were doing or something like that. But in reality, he was just saying that they're a pressing team and they play the same kind of style because the sporting director that we have now came from the Red Bull system. So it wasn't outrageous for him to say anything like that. It was verifiably true, you know. Um, yeah. But to that point, the Union were much more of a Red Bull team last year with right. Brendan Aronson and the way that he ran off the ball and the way that they would press and they would get those 4v3s and those 5v4s going the other way and they'd score in transition and things like that. I don't think the Union are doing much of that at all. When I watch you guys play, now that's a press. You yeah. know, where you're just running and running and running and running. I feel like I'm watching a tennis match because my head's like swinging back and forth like this, watching the ball, you know, ping back and forth. So stylistically, I think it's it's I think it's different than maybe what most people are thinking. It's not as much of the mirror match as it used to be maybe earlier in the year or last year for sure. And I think it's definitely a, a, a Red Bull pressing team versus a versus a Philly team that doesn't really have an offensive identity. You know, it's a defensively organized team. And like you try to nick a goal any way you can. And I, I wonder if it's fair for me to look at it that way. No, I, I think you're right. But, uh, you know, and for that reason, I, I think – it is fair to say that th- that this is going to be a mirror match. Um, just just scrolling as we were talking through the last five games, there isn't an opponent that has um, reached an ex- expected goals against New York of one. The last five games have all been point six point. I mean, Atlanta. It's crazy uh, in a scoreless draw against New York. George Bellow had a shot in injury time. Otherwise, their expected goals would have been zero, zero point zero, because they didn't really. They were playing for a draw and they didn't really come in and score. But going all the way back, you know, they finished uh, two wins, two draws, and a loss to DC. Even a loss to DC, only a zero point eight for for them, uh, and they got the goal. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I think you know you're right. They're they're two very defensive oriented teams. Um, I'd I'd still probably rather have a Casper Shabilko and a Sergio Santos on my team to be I mean to be frank rather than a Klimola and uh, you know maybe a Caden Clark who you know, played last night in Mexico with the with the U twenties um, just because I think they have better noses for goal uh, Klimola has been somewhat maligned coming down the stretch. Uh, he's incredibly petulant when he doesn't score. He whines and mopes and stomps around. Um, and I think you, it really makes Red Bull fans understand why the guy couldn't get off the bench at Celtic. Um, because the, the, the mope to score ratio for him is, is quite high. Um, Fabio as well, although he did get the early goal against Nashville, which which delivered them into the playoffs, um, he would much rather uh, you know try a, a bicycle kick than a tap in, uh, which makes people lose their minds. And so, um, from a reliability and MLS standpoint, you know these are these are still two guys who are in their first year in the league. Um, Chibulko is a known quantity, uh, and so if you know, I'd probably feel a little better about that. But um, yeah, I, again scoreless going into penalty kicks would not surprise me here. I like the mope to score ratio. <laughs> I may start using that on this podcast. Yours, I'll, I'll, I'll give you credit, of course, but it's, uh, it's the, fr- it's a frustration I can relate to as a, uh, uh, amateur hour center back who would go out and put my body <laughs> on the line of, in Northeast Philly on Saturday morning, every weekend where the strikers would just be walking around down there and you're like busting your ass, trying to, 
you know, keep the ball out of your own net. And they, that's the thing that drives you crazy about strikers is that they can do jack shit for 89 minutes right. and then they score a goal in the 90th minute and they're the hero. But if you're a center back, you can do everything right for 89 minutes and then do one thing the wrong for the 90th minute and then you're the goat and not the good yeah. kind of goat, like the old school goat that we used to, uh, <laughs> that we used to say 20 years ago. Um, Mark, what, what is, is Red Bull doing anything? I, I can't remember if, I swear I thought that when the union played you guys earlier this year, I thought I saw a three-man back line. You guys playing back three, back four. Like what's what what can we expect from that on, on next Saturday? Yeah. We've we've seen Struber uh be creative and you know, the 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 common notion is, you know, for years under under Jesse and then under Armist, there was a desire to find the plan B, right? Uh, from the four two three one straight up uh, press press press. Um, what we've seen recently is a three man back line of Nealis Sean Nealis who has leveled up in such a major way. Remember, it was against you guys that that Aaron Long went out for mm-hmm. the season with it with an Achilles tear. And yet this team, I believe, only conceded 33 goals in 34 games this year. Yeah, I mean, if you, had, if you had told Red Bull fans, okay, you're going to lose the 2018 Defender of the Year and you're going to have the, your best defensive year in many seasons, people obviously wouldn't have uh, signed on for that. So it's, um, it's usually uh, Nealis in the center, um, Andres Reyes, who is another guy who has come along really, really well, um, uh, first-year player, and then Andrew Gutman, um, who is on loan from Atlanta, which is very strange, and we'll most likely lose him back to Atlanta if Bello is sold by them. Um, yeah, those are rare, those intra-league MLS loans. Incredibly like you don't see a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. Especially because he couldn't play against Atlanta when the teams met two weeks ago. Which was yeah. you never. Yeah. It's just really weird. It'd be one thing if the Red Bulls or the or the Union sent somebody out to like Colorado for a for a season, you know, but right? Like the, but the inside Eastern the East, yeah, yeah it, it yeah. worked out for both. I mean, you can say it worked out for both teams this year for sure. Then, um, you know, kind of wing backy. You can call them members of the midfield, or you can call them members of a backline. Tom Edwards, um, the Brit from Stoke, who's been incredibly versatile this year on yeah. loan. We'll see whether he stays next year. And John Tolkien, who, in a year where Caden Clark was supposed to really be the story among young players on this team, John Tolkien, homegrown player from Chatham, New Jersey, out of the academy, um, has 19 years old, has has been, in many cases, the most important player on the team. He's afraid of no one. He gets into the attack. He helps distribute. Um, then the, the double sixes of Drew Yearwood, who is uh, a young DP, um, Britt, um, and he has improved his game significantly over the year, can get forward. And then Sean Davis, um, the also homegrown, except he's 29 years old. Uh, yeah, right. Who, at right. He's been here forever, played every minute, did not come off the field at all for New York this season. Um, also can be argued one of the most important. And then up top, Christian Caceres, who has gotten forward in a much more impactful way this year for New York kind of started out as a six eight and now he, he'll you'll find him on the wing Caden Clark who has rounded into form a bit 
uh, finally. And then up top, most likely, you'll see Klimala. I think he's ahead of Fabio. And so, yeah, you can call it a 3-4-3. You can call it a 5-2-3, 3-1-5-2-3. But um, Edwards and Tolkien definitely get up uh, into the attack for sure. I like Tolkien's game. He reminds me of the union homegrowns in the way that like when you put these guys on the field, they don't know that they're not supposed to be this good. You know, it's because these young guys don't know. It's almost like their heads are so um, I don't mean to say this in an insulting way. I've been trying to find a better way to say it for like five years now, but it's almost like their head's not stuffed full of so much that it's like weighing them down. You know, it's like they play free because it's like, hey, I'm on the field. I got the ball. I know what I'm supposed to do. With the attacking players, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try this pass. I'm going to try this shot that maybe one of the older guys might not. So I always like watching those guys play in that regard. Um, I think, and this is getting a little bit into the weeds, but I, I what I'm really, really curious is, and I think kind of the tactical pre game key to the game is Union have played well this year against teams that play a back three because when they were playing the diamond with Sergio Santos he would he would hit those channels hard directness playing the ball into space he'd be able to kind of stretch stretch the field allow them to get forward you know without Sergio they've been playing a different formation now they're playing this 4-3-2-1 they're playing this Christmas tree I don't know if you've seen much of it or even aware of it but they have Shabilko up top they've been playing dual number 10s behind him so like Jamiro Montero and Daniel Gajdok mm-hmm. then you have your line of like Leon Flock and Alejandro Bedoya and Bruno Martinez behind them so really for those three the defensive roles are the same but they're playing more clumpy in the middle. And the result is that they've kind of got Gajdag going a little bit, um, but they don't have any kind of verticality. Casper uh, Shabilko is slower than I am. Um, <laughs> and he, he's not. And here, here's the thing, Mark. It's like, because when you. I go back maybe like five or six years ago, like when, even when Chris Pontius was like playing for the Union. I, I think when, when the Union started to get some results against Red Bull, because you guys had kind of historically. Um, like dominated the series, and and the Union couldn't get any kind of results at Red Bull Arena ever. And um, I that think open cup game at your place when Pontius put on his DC United cape and dropped a yep. a brace on New York it was just like, oh, but they were learning how to kind of like navigate the press a little bit. You know, Pontius was a guy who was good at kind of hitting that blind switch, and even if he didn't know what was on the other side of the field, he was just going to chunk it over there because Red Red Bull. You guys have always liked to kind of cluster numbers, and the the one thing you don't want to do when you're pressing is see the ball go over your head, and then you're like, oh shit, okay, now I got to run forty yards the other way. You know, you get them moving sideways and backwards, and I think like the Corey Burke goal that the Union scored in the first game was a product of that. Like sometimes the way to beat the press is just to try to go over top of it. You yeah, know, or that, go... that is that's textbook how you beat New York, right? Yeah, I mean the the good news. For Red Bull fans, is you know, while Edwards certainly isn't the speediest, um, Tolkien can can match anyone for speed. And so, if you're Philly, and you're you know you're attacking down, you're you know you're going from right to left. That may be um, a, a danger area, but you then you have to deal with Reyes, who is again maturing by the day, and your year went on that side as well. Yeah, all right. I only got um, I think two more for you because I said I wasn't going to keep it that long. It's all good. Um, a fill in the blanks question for you. Sure. Um, New York Seven. Red Bulls. Um, <laughs> Red Bull will win this game if blank. Red Bull will win this game if um, Klimala only pouts. If the under the over under of Klimala pouting is five, <laughs> because that means that he will have scored. All right. Uh, on the on the flip side, uh, Philadelphia Union will win if blank. 
Philadelphia will win if um, New York gets into card issues early um, and if they're able to go uh, a left to right uh, right to left diagonal cross and and and, uh, and New York. And I can think I can see cards coming out in this game because it's oh, like yeah. when you have pressing teams and and there there's bodies flying back and forth. Some of those collisions are are crazy. And the Union have a couple of I don't know if petulant is the right word. But they've got like guys who are hotheads who get up in the refs' face and are not afraid to throw challenges and stuff like that. They've been a little bit loose. From a dis- disciplinary sense this year, so I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if if cards come out in this. I think Yearwood took the red card too at the end of the yeah. the what the second game I think they played, and of course there were there were cards in other games as well. Um, okay, last last topic for you, Mark. When you came on the podcast a couple years ago, we talked um, you know at length about the idea of of whether Red Bull and Philly is a rivalry, and it was always kind of like it was a hot topic like for the Union back then because they always I I I, I don't know it's like. They were, the, the union were still kind of new on the scene. And it was like, well, you got to have a rival. I, I like, and it seemed like it was artificial, like a manufactured, like New York and Philly kind of thing. And the, and what we discussed at the time was like, you guys already had a rival, like DC United. You guys didn't like DC United. You had the that was a historic thing. Like the New York City comes in, that's kind of the local geographic thing. And so we we talked through kind of like a college football comparison where I, I made the the. Um, the comparison to like if you if you think of Red Bull as like Ohio State or like Michigan, say like Red Bull's Michigan, like DC could be Ohio State, New York City could be like Michigan State, and the Union maybe is that team that like you don't really like, but they're not, right. but it's not really like a, I mean, it's just maybe like another Big Ten game to you guys. I mean, is that does that hold up now or and or um, has your your attitude towards uh, towards Philly changed at all in the last couple of years? Well, I think, and I'm I'm not speaking for all Red Bull fans here because uh, I clearly don't. Uh, looking at my mentions, but um, I think <laughs> that, and the subtweets, but I think that um, I think maybe it's a little less apt. I mean, I'll tell you that most Red Bull fans have, unlike the first eight or so years of, of the union being around. And as you said, you know, learning how to win in big games is important and it takes time. And I, I think there is a grudging respect now uh, from Red Bull fans of the union. Um, although I think New York fans feel confident in our ability to go in there and get a win. I don't think, I don't think it's a scary place. Um, I also don't think Red Bull fans would be surprised if it doesn't go their way. I think, uh, and I, I'm getting to your question, I promise. Um, you know, the bar, the, the bar for this season, especially when you only win one of 11 games in June, July, and August, uh, and you're in 12th place, uh, is making the playoffs and continuing for New York the playoff streak, which was really the level of success. Uh, for the, for the year and at the beginning of the year, can they extend the twelve straight years in the playoffs? I think I think the Big Ten um, allegory is uh, is still uh, perhaps in place. New York City and DC um, will always be one and two or one and one a. Um, I think that the fact that the teams played three very close games this year would indicate um, that. You know, there's a lot of juice in these games, for sure. Um, I guess the question is, how many rivals can a team have, right? And yeah. so, yeah. you know, maybe uh, if uh, the Red Bulls are Michigan or other way around, whatever, Ohio State 
Michigan State is there, um, but then there's Wisconsin, which is always a big game, or there's Penn State that may be for you guys the most apt uh, yeah. r- right reference because newer to the league and a strong team, and God, that's a hard game, and yeah, uh, yeah it's really tough. But it's it's I just I just don't think it's ever going to be perhaps satisfactory for Union fans. Um, just also because it's a crutch now when talking about the Red Bulls, yeah. especially when Philadelphia beats New York, it's like, oh, it's a rivalry now. Hey, hey. But it's <laughs> like, I just, I don't know how yeah. much heads, yeah. I don't know how much headspace there is for Red Bull fans to say, yes, you have supplanted one of these other two teams because I don't think they can, but number three with a bullet, absolutely. Yeah, and it, you can't force it either. It's like if the one team doesn't want to be a rival, then so be it, you know? And, like, I think you make a good point about saying how many rivals can you really have? Because if you have right. four rivals, then is any one of them really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it, just gets, it just gets watered down, you know? Yeah, I mean, we've been playing the Rebs since 96, and I don't think New York feels that they're a rival it's like yeah those guys yeah i mean yeah. and i think i think there's a um a, a, a kinship with those fans because they also haven't won mls cup in 25 years and you know or it's like columbus it's like oh yeah those guys we've been playing them for 25 years yeah well, okay. and there's original there's original fans too who, yep. who had been with it since 96 you know and i think like the union coming in 2010 and being kind of new new kid on the block is a little different too you know yep. um mark thanks for coming on again i appreciate it. um where uh where can everybody find your stuff well i know your listeners are really really excited to follow the red bulls on a daily <laughs> basis but they can do that at my quizzically named twitter feed mark fishkin or they can go to seeing red ny which is where the seeing red pod lives uh we're finishing season 12 which is ridiculous my prediction for the game i feel like this is 1-1 and it's going into extra time um i think the union find a way through somehow i think it'll be ugly and low scoring um you have a prediction yeah, I mean, I think it's going to penalty kicks, and then it's who blinks first. I mean, it's literally flip a coin. Uh, yeah. I, I, I can't give a prediction, but I think unless someone falls down or there's some horrible gaffe, which, as we know for Red Bulls in the playoffs, that's our specialty. But, um, I, again, I think this goes to penalty kicks. I think it goes to penalty kicks scoreless, and then we'll see. Uh, now that we've said that, we've probably jinxed it. We're probably going to get another four to three with uh, Marco Fabian and stoppage time or that whatever was that was. Bonkers. But no, I, I, I think the numbers and I think our gut is, our guts are telling us that it's probably going to be a low scoring affair. Uh, Mark, thanks for coming on. Uh, appreciate you coming back on the show. And uh, everybody, I know he's a Red Bull guy, but he does great stuff. Uh, so check out his stuff and maybe we'll learn something about another team. So appreciate Very it, man. Kind. Thank you. Thanks so much. Best of Thank luck. You.